Hey, 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 welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Hope is everyone's having an amazing day. We're now in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're reading out the King James Version. The fall. How the serpent, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God have God hath God said <laughs> one of the most famous lines ever in all of history Hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hmm. Your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as gods. So your questions... first gets her to even think about it <laughs> that's wild like yeah when you are certain god gives you something a command that's what our schools is feel like that's what our world is going through it's like once the devil can get you to question the truth you already know that you've been raised on it's your grandma yeah we live in a world where everybody questions everything and once you start questioning things that are just absolute truths, you're in trouble. Things that God, you know, God has told you. At least in my experience, you start to question, even just like for me, I started, I, when I started to question the goodness of God, that God loved me and that he was for me, that was the beginning of the slippery slope. Even in my marriage, when I was married, those times when I started to question, did my wife, spouse really love me? Like, knowing deep down this woman cared for me and loved me, it just, we were just going through a hard time. You see, when you're going through a hard time, sometimes that person will say some stuff. They'll say some ignorant stuff. They'll say, start talking to you crazy. And you can start to question if they really love you or if they're for you. Knowing deep down they love you is... I just going through a rough patch and um you might say some stuff anyway once you start to question what you know is true you might have some problems god doth know that in the day and then look appealing to their eyes like somehow god is hiding something from you like hey the kids were curious as kid, yeah, we just see we're just all just grown up kids. But man, appealing to that curiosity, her curiosity. 
like somehow God is withholding something from her in this appeal to be as God's. You can be, notice this little G. Y'all gonna be like little gods like him. Don't y'all wanna be like God? It's like, nah, homie, I don't, yeah, there's a reason. That's why I always, that's my favorite quote. I'm glad I'm not God. Because uh, that's an awesome responsibility. Just think about it. The responsibility of God, what that would be like. I wouldn't even want to be a boss of a company. The amount of responsibility, yeah. There was times in different jobs I worked at, they would have made me manager. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Anyway, verse 5, read that again. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So, yeah. Adam was standing right there watching her do all this. And she's like, don't worry, he's good. We all right. Man. So she ate it first. And then he, and then right there, gave her him some. I imagine that in my imagination, because nobody knows exactly what this fruit was. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not really much of an apple fan. I don't really eat apples anymore. Only time I really eat apples, and I haven't had this in a long time. Only apples I really eat are like apple pie. It has to be cooked in a pie. That's about it. Uh yeah, my former wife used to make apple pie a lot. It used to be so good. But um, it's funny. My mom just sent me. There's this company. Here, I'm going to give them a quick shout out. There's a company. They're based out of Kansas City. It's called, if you go to sweetpeacheskobblers.com, sweetpeacheskobblers.com. If you live in the Kansas City area, you can apparently get their frozen cobblers. And other cobbler to peach type desserts at uh in the frozen food aisle at Price Shopper in High V. Two of my favorite fruits are mangoes and peaches. Uh, have you ever had like a really good ripe peach? It's perfect, not all soft and mealy or hard, but it's perfectly it's just perfect, perfectly ripe. Oh man. Or even just canned peaches. I need to get some canned peaches. I don't really eat a whole lot of canned goods. But canned peaches are good too. Mm. Anyway, I just in those jars. Uh, I imagine this fruit probably was either a peach or, or more of a mango. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. Or if it was an apple, it was probably like, uh, what is that one apple? Um, 
Honeycrisp. Oh, Honeycrisp apples are the bomb. But even then, I don't know. Like, some of the apples are a little too hard. and Those make me kind of mealy. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to break my teeth when I eat an apple. Anyway, so let's read that again. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Verse seven. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Hold on a second. And the eyes of them were both open. And they they knew they were naked. Because before they didn't know they were naked. They had no clue what nudity was. Wow, that began the big... All, think about all the diseases that are related to body issues. How many people don't like the way they look or like their bodies? We got all kind of like body insecurities, body dysmorphia, all that kind of stuff. It started here. Because before, they didn't even know what nakedness was. I wouldn't have even, even had to have a conversation with my daughter the other day this past Sunday about, hey, your shirt skirt, skirt is too short. <laughs> Please change into something else. Wouldn't have you even had to have that conversation. Anyway, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, I feel like I've read in other translations of other versions that it said God clothed them. But technically, God is the one who made the fig leaves to begin with. So he did provide them clothing. Anyway, and is it interesting that he they use fig leaves? Figs are a very common they're gonna be a theme motif all throughout this Bible. Cause later on Jesus is gonna curse a fig tree that he sees is not growing fruit. There's some other examples I feel like where figs come up, fig trees come up. And y'all can go in your own, look up some commentary about the significance of figs or the symbolism of a fig tree. But it's interesting. That's what they use immediately to clothe themselves. In my opinion, I'm not a big fan of fig, like fig newtons or fig fruit. It's not that, that good to me. Anyway, all right. Verse eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Mm, what if what if the fruit that they ate was figs? Because, hmm. I mean, they just grabbed fig leaves. I don't know what a f how the fig is set up on a fig tree. Can you just pluck off the fig off the tree and then pluck away the leaves? Hmm. What if the very tree, everyone always assumes it's an apple, because that's how they've always shown it in storybooks with kids. 
what if the very tree that they ate of was what they used to clothe themselves? Hmm, I never thought of it like that. It seems like it'd be convenient right there. Let's look at a fig tree real fast. Let me see what a fig tree looks like. I'm going a little deeper today. Fig tree. Oh, they're pretty large in size. Yeah, you could just grab the fig right off the tree. It only makes sense that the fruit that they ate of probably was a fig tree. Fig tree Bible. Let's see here now. All right. This is just straight from Wikipedia. The fig tree could be understood as symbolic of Israel. Look at Joel 2.21-25. through 25. The parable of the barren fig tree is a parable of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Luke 13.6-9. And then a vine keeper holds out hope that a barren fig tree will bear fruit next year. Hmm. I'm not going to go that deep. Ooh. Hold on, what is this? All right, yeah, you can go really deep with this. I encourage you all to go look up every scripture where the the word fig or fig tree, but especially this fig, is mentioned and see what dots you can connect. That would be a fun little exercise. Uh, Once again, I need to add this to things to do on Bible, on chewthebible.com. Eventually, I'm going to do my best to do some more stuff with that. Start blocking more with that. All right. I think I have a little note that says blog ideas. Word study. <laughs> Word stuffy. Yeah, I'm a little stuffy. Word study on figs. In my opinion, if I were to interpret this, I would think that the fruit that they ate had to have been a fig tree. I mean, a fig off the fig trees. They immediately sow figs on themselves. Anyway, and just the fact that the Bible constantly, yeah, even Jesus referenced fig tree, figs and fig trees. He cursed a fig tree. Anyway, uh, all right, here we go. Now God shows up. And they heard, all right, so they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then verse eight, and they heard the voice. I wonder if Eve made herself, I guess it's just an apron. So I don't think she made a bra. She didn't cover up her chest either. They both, their chests were exposed. Just there. Interesting that they were covered their loins. Interesting. Why just aprons? Mm. 
Verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Man, there's so much here. So much here. They heard the voice of the Lord, like, clearly. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know. I've, I've admitted multiple times that hearing the voice of the Lord is not always... I don't know, people share their stories of like, oh, I heard God say this, 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 clear as day. And I'm like, I don't know if that was God or if that was just my conscience or if that was just, you know, yeah, separating God's voice versus my conscience versus the voice of the devil, you know. Three different voices going on. Um the main times I think I've, I feel like the main times I feel like I've heard the voice of God, like the clearest and loudest is when I was like in danger or yeah, I was about to do something that I would later regret. And I either actually listened to that voice or I just completely ignored it. Anyway, they heard the voice of God in the cool of the day. And immediately, the first thing they do is hide. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Hmm, I'm going to keep going. Verse 9, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? That's uh, so I love about the new, the, I mean, the King James Version, they put all the I actually kind of like that the, the these and the thous. It kind of remind me of some Shakespeare stuff. Verse 10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Hmm. Verse 11, and he said, this is the first time, yeah, there you, they, they have a... A spirit of fear wasn't there before. Afraid of their own creator. That's pretty powerful. You were never meant to be afraid of God like that. And he said, who that told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten, uh, eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And God immediately is like, yep, yeah, he already is an example of asking a question he already knew the answer to. Because he's God, he's omniscient. He already knew the answer. He just wanted them to confess. And here's, here we go. Let's keep going. Verse 12. And the man said, like, all right, all right, here we go. It's funny. God has heard uh, one pastor. I can't remember who it was. Was it Pastor Dennis Upton? I think that's he. he's the one who said, uh, like, imagine if Adam hadn't eaten the fruit that was offered him by his wife. Then God would have most likely just made him another wife. <laughs> if Adam would have just not eaten. Cause, yeah, a lot of folks, we jump on Eve like her, for her eating the fruit and enticing and seducing Adam, whatever. But, hey, Adam had a choice. He could have said, nah, I heard what God said. You can eat that by yourself, lady. But it's a perfect example of like the two are one. So like they were one mind. So and they dealt with the punishment equally. So it's like 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Adam would have even done that. He had a choice, though. But it's a good question. What would have happened if Adam wouldn't have eaten the fruit, but Eve did? Would they have both still been cursed? Because Adam could have slapped. Technically, Adam, he was right there. He had the choice to just slap the fruit right out of her hand. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Yeah, and what were they doing over there by the tree in the first place? What were they standing next to it? Why were they there? Why were they looking at it? And there were a lot of things that happened up to them before they even ate the fruit. All right, so God asked him a question, asked him a question that he already knows the answer to. He, and he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Verse 12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So uh, immediately blame her. Now, that's another example or of a quite good question. What if Adam had to just own up to like, God, I'm sorry, I would have repented. Like, God, I'm so sorry. I, it was my fault. I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. I should have not even walked over near this tree. I shouldn't have allowed this woman to entice me. I knew better. I knew what you said. I should have smacked the fruit out of her. He could have said all this stuff. God, I'm sorry. Just God, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I owned up to it. But nah, he said he does the blame game, which if you notice, that's what kids do all the time. Even my own kids. When somebody, I see somebody hit somebody or said, retaliate and says something. And the first thing in their mouth is, but he, but she, she did this. But he, but I'm like, nah, we talking about what, what you did. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So here goes the blame game, goes even further. Adam blames the woman and now Eve blames the serpent. She had a chance to repent. She had a chance to say sorry. Take ownership for what she did, but she didn't. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because, all right, so now you're about to hand out some punishments. Deals with the serpent, serpent first. And the Lord God said unto the serpent. It's wild, y'all. I was going to just say, there's a, um, wow, it's connected to dot. Oh, all right. Hold on a second. Invasive fish. I literally just read this article on Yahoo about, yeah, it's called a northern snakehead fish. They discovered it on May 19th in Wayne County in the foothills of the Ozarks. Yeah, back in 2019. Wow. Apparently, it's from uh, 
that's making me pay money for this article. Oh, no, actually, I don't. Um, I believe, yeah, I think it was found in China. Originally, it's from, where is it? Do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, because it, let's see, where is the part where it says it's from Asia? Here it goes, yes. National Geographic says the fish is native to Asia and has caused environmental problems. After being introduced into the United States, it was first seen in Maryland and is still most common in the Northeast. But there have been increasing sightings in Arkansas in recent years. It is an invasive species because it kills, yeah. It kills the native animals and fish. It has a long, syndrical body with scales on its head. This thing can live on land for up to four days. It can breathe out of water. It has ability to walk short distances on land, and their lung-like organ allows them to survive out of water for up to four days. Yeah. I was like, hmm. Some people are like, what? Was there really a talking, a talking snake? If anything, I imagine this snake was like this one. Talk another area, word study. All right, look up every example of a talking animal in the Bible. Because if Balaam's donkey could talk, yeah, it had to be a talking fit, talking serpent. And I imagine the serpent probably looked like this. The description, yeah, the fact that he'd be on land for four days. Interesting. Anyway, a little side note. All right, back to the word. Uh, Where was I? Where was I? And Lord God said unto the yes, yeah, punishment time and unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Unto the woman, say it again, verse 16, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, or childbirth and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy sh thy desire shall be to thy be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He shall rule over thee. So before we even get to all them scriptures about why women shouldn't be allowed to preach or 
be a pastor in a church or lead and all that kind of stuff. And all the other scriptures, all the other debates, like the women's movement, all that kind of stuff. I'm not here to belittle women or here to attack women or to make or to act like I'm even worthy of being the head over any woman, like trying to lead anybody. Right. I got all kind of flaws and issues and stuff. Right. And I'm not trying to here to be chauvinist or all the other labels that people try to attack men when they start talking like this. All I have to say is look at the word right here. Like the Bible said it right here. This is the cause of all of our issues and challenges in our world right now. The man, it says the husband, the man shall, and notice it says husband, not as any old guy, says the husband shall rule over thee. The husband shall rule over thee. And so that was the beginning of everything. The fall of the family unit, the destruction of the family unit right there, because I'm no longer... Man... Before, did we even have to, God, God didn't even have to say that. He didn't even have to tell Eve this. If you think about it, it was just established. Nobody ruled over, over anybody. God never said that in the beginning. Now he says it. The husband shall rule over thee. So as a society, yeah, everything is upside down. Man, because there's this tug of war, this battle, this fight now over who rules over who, who's in control, who makes the decisions. Ultimately, God is in control. But anyway, who's the head of who? Verse 17, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou hast not eaten eat of it thou shalt not eat of it curse is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the day of thy life so god cursed the ground so before all right all right here we go verse 18 thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee Thorns and thistles shall it, and wow, that God, Jesus, wore a crown of thorns. Man, so much here. All right. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art. And unto this thou shalt return. So a couple things, few things. Now man has to work. We have women have experience. So that makes you wonder. What was like childbirth like before? Hmm. Did God just, was his plan to just keep spawning different versions of us? 
without yeah or was childbirth with zero pain yeah i imagine childbirth used to be yeah would have been with zero pain that was the original plan but because of this fall because of their one choice now childbirth actually hurts a woman is ruled by her husband which we all can tell in society there's not people not a whole lot of folks are fans of that um and man is forced to work for his food so i guess yeah before the fall god just automatically he did all the the growing I've heard some people say, yeah, how did the serpent get into the garden in the first place? Like, Adam was slipping. Yeah, he, some people once again try to jump on Eve, like, if, how did the serpent get there in the first place? How did she even get to your wife? So many things you could pull out of here if you were a preacher. There's so many things. You could just preach on this one chapter for a long time. There's so much here. But anyway, Labor pains, rule got to establish ruling over the husband ruling over the spouse. Has even be said before we even have to say that. Um, it was just no. It was I don't think there was even any need to have for Adam to be ruled over his wife. And then they got to work for food. Now he has to work. Adam specifically has to work for food. And it's hard work. He has to sweat for it. He's going to be tired. By the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat. Before, yeah, they... I wonder if they slept. I guess they wouldn't have had to sleep other than the time God put them to sleep. And then when you die, you'll return to the dust. Because out of the dust you came, out of the dust you'll return. So death, death is introduced before death wasn't even a thing. They were just eternal beings. They didn't, well, eternal physical beings. Eternal spirit, soul, and body. Powerful stuff. All right, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So before Eve didn't, wow, Eve didn't even have a name. Think about it. Hold on. Did it say anything about Adam naming all the animals? Why? That's something I need. Another detail I never really paid attention to. Because Adam, Adam had a name. But Eve didn't. She didn't get a name till he named her. Even her very name came from Adam. It's interesting. All right. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living unto Adam. Also into his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. All right. So here. God makes he gave them better clothes than what they had. He's like these little fig leaves they ain't going to cut y'all. Here goes some real clothes. He makes coats of skins and cloak them. So God had to kill. Wow. All right. I just made another connection. Because before. 
God never, like there was never any death, right? So the very first death, this is something I never really paid attention to. The very first death, right, happened when God had to kill, God had to kill an animal. He had to have. He had to kill an animal to get the skins. It says coats of skins. He had to have killed an animal to get those coats of skins. Makes you wonder what kind of animal did he actually kill? Doesn't say. Wow. Which is why animal sacrifice is a uh, ended up being a requirement for the remission of sins. It was a con they have to constantly be reminded of their sin that their parents did over and over again. I'm sorry, I'm just connecting these dots in my head out loud as I'm reading. Never before had an animal been killed yet, killed yet until that point. And God had to do it, not Adam and Eve. They didn't kill the animals, the animal. God killed the animal to provide the, the clothing for them. All right, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know. Let's behold, the man is become as one of us. Us, plural, implies that other people are there. Who's God talking to? It had to be Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Whoa, I never made that connection either. The first, wow, hold on, hold on a second. So there were two, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second, y'all. This is blowing my mind, y'all. I'm trying to like figure this out, conceptualize this. Maybe I need to go read some commentary on this, but all right. So there was one tree, right? You shall not eat of the tree. Of the garden. Right, where does it say? The tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to their eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. All right, now where does. Where is we? Sh the woman said to the serpent, "We shall eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat." The midst, the midst of the garden, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be like God. All right, so something about it was one tree, right? But the version of what they ate 
was not the real was not the real tree of life. It was like a fake tree. It was like a facade. It wasn't real. It was like an image. It was like an imaginary. It must have been like it was. It had to have been like an imaginary tree. Interesting. I mean, how to say this? Like, it wasn't the real tree of life. Because look, here we go. It says, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now let's like, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So they, it's almost like somehow they grabbed from the wrong tree or something like that. Either it was the same tree, but it was like a hologram or something like that. I don't know. I'm just like speculating here. This is I'm I'm using my imagination here. Just to this hot picture. Either it was like a fake tree, right? That they ate from. Or yeah, the real tree that <clears throat> that was the tree of life was like right next to it. <clears throat> was right next to it. And they are behind it and they grabbed from the wrong tree. And God knew, God knew that they would grab. In my, in my mind, in my imagination, God knew all this was going to happen, which gets down to a whole even deeper philosophical debate. Like, why did God even, if God knew this is all going to happen, why did he allow this? Why did he even set it up, things up this way? He had to provide us free will, a choice, so that we wouldn't be robots and that we would follow him and obey him willingly, not out of, compulsion out of or just robotically so anyway i'm just I don't know, my mind is blown here reading this story so they had a choice yeah so all right here we go close it out verse 20 therefore the lord god sent him forth from the garden of eden to till the ground from whence he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims or or angels and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. All right. So. I don't know, once again, I encourage you all to read your own commentaries on this. I'm just kind of pro- this is what I like doing. I like to just process out loud what I'm reading. So, did I'm imagining if they would have eaten from the actual tree of life, whether it was a, yeah, the actual tree of life, which I imagine was either behind this false tree that they ate from. Anyway, if they would have actually eaten from the actual tree of life, which God pointed out because he said they'll be like us, they would have been permanently forever sealed as like little gods, but in their sinful state, like in the same sinful state that the devil was in. Because think about that, because the devil was, he only had one chance, he only had one shot, and he was cursed forever, right? And this third of his angels, demons, they only had one shot. But we as humans, we have multiple chances. 
multiple opportunities to repent and to give our lives to God to be redeemed. And so, yeah, by Adam and Eve, not he had to put that flaming sword there with the angel to guard it. That was like God's grace, his mercy and his protection, because he was basically shielding them from forever being cursed for the rest of their lives. Which gets to even deeper philosophical question is where is Adam and Eve now? Like, where are they now? I like to believe they're in heaven right now. Because somehow God, this is God's form of redemption. And they, and we'll get to it eventually later on when we read about when Jesus went to Hades and took the keys from Hades and he preached to all the dead, all those that have fallen asleep. I imagine that's where Adam and Eve had probably gone after they died. And Jesus preached to them. They somehow got redeemed then. I don't know. This, goes, this stuff goes deep. And once again, I don't, I don't claim to be to know it all or to be like a Bible scholar. I encourage you all to go read this stuff on your own. I'm just kind of processing this all out loud. But like the big things I see in here, the biggest thing I see there is like that angel and that flaming sword was their protection because if they had eaten from that tree of life, they would have done so in their sinful state, in their, yeah, wouldn't have been permanently sealed like that. All right, anyway, y'all go read some commentaries on that. I'm sure there's some very interesting stuff. Um, in fact, let me type that in, questions I have. Is... Are I say are Adam and Eve in heaven or hell? Boom. Alright, God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time. Yeah, your word. There's so much here. Just pray, just everyone listening to this podcast, just have an increasing desire to know you, to love you and have a relationship with you, God. And um, your word says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. So I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. And again, this word is like a double-edged sword divided between soul and spirit, Lord. I just pray in the name of Jesus, God that those who listen to this podcast would just continue to be transformed in their hearts and their minds and want to know more and more about you, God, and help us to to not make the same mistake that our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents did in Adam and Eve in disobeying you, Lord. Help us to know your voice, and when we do slip up, when we do sin, Help us to repent, to take ownership for what we did wrong and to not run from you, God, but to draw closer to you. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray, amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.